What's up, everybody? My name is Shane Kohler, and this is The Conscious Love Show. Thanks so much for joining me here, where each week I'm sharing true-to-life insights and experiences from my journey and how I've created the loving and committed partnership I have today. I answer your questions and have live discussions with you so I can support you in your specific situation. And I bring in experts and people who know their stuff so we can all learn from their perspectives. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you'd leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love. Okay, everyone. Hello and welcome back to another episode of The Conscious Love Show. Shane here, as always. It is a pleasure and a privilege to be with you, to be able to share and connect with you today. And um, I'm really excited about today's episode. I was just kind of chatting with the the people who are joining me on Instagram right now. I was just kind of chatting with them uh, before we got started here that uh, the topic for today's show is worthiness and what is it and where to find it. And um, I wanted to speak into this topic because I might have shared this before, but I have a mastermind group that I'm working with right now. It's It's got five ladies in it. And it's a small group. We just meet every other week and and we connect and share about what's going on and work through whatever might be coming up and things like that. And um, recently there there was a discussion that happened in the group about um, someone really having a hard time having those difficult conversations with someone they were dating. And, um, you know, what had happened with this person, and I want to share a little bit about the story because I think this is super, super relevant. I think it's something we can all relate to. I think it's something that all of us have been through at one time or another in our lives. And what was happening with this person was she had started dating a guy and there were, there were a lot of green flags with this guy. You know, it wasn't, he wasn't like, you know, bad in any sense of the word. Um, a lot of green flags with this guy, a lot of things that she was really looking for, um, and the ways he would treat her, the ways they would spend time together, things like this. And then there was also this element of like when they weren't together, there would be a lot of distance and sometimes they wouldn't talk for several days at a time. Now, what what I want to point to here is that, you know, this they never had an agreement otherwise, right? So a lot of times it's like when when someone isn't keeping in touch with us on a regular basis or, you know, we're maintaining that kind of consistent connection every day or every couple of days, you know, it's like a lot of times what will happen is we'll spend time with someone and then we'll have no contact in between. We won't hear from them for a long time and then they'll get back to us. And if you haven't had a discussion or an agreement to have it be otherwise, then there's really no reason for that person to just naturally step in unless they just want to. And some people do. Right. But not everybody's like that. Some people are very much get lost in their own lives, do their own thing, and then they come back and connect. Right. So there's got to be a there's got to be a willingness to talk about needs, to talk about expectations, to talk about your vision for a relationship, the kind of connectedness you want to have, the kind of closeness you want to have to ask for what you want. Right. To, to say to someone like, hey, this is what I want. You know, would you be willing to offer that to me? Would you be willing to, you know, show up for me like this way in, in, in this relationship, right? Like there's got to be a willingness to have those kinds of conversations. And what had happened with this person was she was dating this guy. Again, a lot of things that were good, but one of the things that was not good was he would go dark for days at a time in between them spending time together. 
And, you know, several times we had a conversation about, okay, like it's time to talk to him about the kind of relationship you want to have, you know, if you're going to move forward, how things are going to be. And this person really struggled to have those conversations, right? She really struggled to, to say, yes, this is, you know, this is what I want. And can you offer this to me? Right. And then what's really, what's really, I think the, the most important part about this is when you avoid those conversations, when you're too afraid to bring it up or you're, or you just procrastinate, 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 what you're doing in that time while you're avoiding that conversation is you're actually teaching this person how to treat you. And this is one of the biggest reasons why like being that cool, that cool girl, or I mean, even a cool guy, right? But like just trying to be so cool with everything. Yeah, I don't care. Do whatever you want. Doesn't bother me. I don't have any expectations. I'm not, you know, like when you try to be too cool like that, what happens is you teach the other person that you don't really care. Or you teach the other person that that behavior is okay with you. And so when so much time passes in the relationship and you haven't been bringing up these important things, you haven't been communicating to the person what you want, how you want to be treated, how they can care for you, how they can love you. When you haven't been having those conversations with them, what starts to happen is they start to think that you're okay with the way things are. They start to settle into a certain routine in the relationship. You start to settle into a certain routine in the relationship. And then trying to turn that around can be a big deal, right? Because you didn't really set it up for what you wanted on the front end. And then trying to turn that around can, it, it, like, the person's going to be like, well, it's been okay this whole time. Like, you've never said anything before. Why do you all of a sudden want to change now? And of course, you, you can sometimes work through that. I'm not saying it's impossible. But you're putting yourself and you're putting the relationship in a really difficult position when you withhold and avoid authentically communicating your needs and what you really want from the relationship. And so as I was working with this person and discussing with them, you know, so what was really going on for you? Why, why did you procrastinate this conversation? Why did you avoid this? You know, we talked about it. We talked about exactly what to say. We talked about exactly how to bring it up but you still didn't bring it up. So what was going on for you that caused that, right? And these are the kinds of conversations we have. And what it really came down to, and I'm going to try to make a long story short here because I want to get to the point, but what it really came down to is a feeling of, I am not worthy enough to ask for these things. That if I, how do I want to put this? It's like, if I take up enough space in this relationship if my presence in this relationship becomes big enough that I'm actually asking for something from the other person, that I actually want them to step up for me, I want them to show up for me, I want them to bring forward some commitment and some dedication and some effort here. If I ask for that, per if I ask for that from that person, that it is not going to be honored and understood and, and given to me. And that person is going to leave me instead, right? So if I take up too much space in this relationship, if I step into this relationship in too strong of a way, this person is not going to hear me and understand me and receive me and also themselves step into the relationship to meet me 
but rather they are going to leave. Now, I want you to really think about that because I know that the, the individual I'm talking about right now, she is not the only person who's ever felt this way, okay? I've felt this way. I know you felt this way too. So she is not the only person who's ever felt that way. But if you've ever felt this way, and I know I'm talking to a whole bunch of people who have felt this way many times in their lives right now. So if you've ever felt this way, you've got to question that thinking. You've got to question that assumption that if I start taking up too much space in this relationship, rather than the person meeting me halfway, rather than the person wanting to care for me, wanting to love me, wanting to meet those needs, wanting to make me happy, right? Rather than that person showing up that way, they're just going to leave me. You've got to question that assumption, right? What does that assumption really mean? And when you really get down to it, when you really go down the rabbit hole and you get to the bottom of it and you ask yourself, what does that assumption really mean? There's only one real answer to that question. And the answer is this, that I am not good enough for that person to meet me halfway, that I am not lovable enough for that person to meet me halfway, that I am not valuable enough, like that, that I don't bring enough to this relationship, like I am not enough of a human being and, and like have enough of a presence in this person's life that they would value that enough that when I ask for something, they would be like, absolutely, I want to make you happy because you're important to me. Because I enjoy your presence in my life because I don't want to lose you, right? So I want to make you happy. Tell me what you want so I can give that to you. And when we are unwilling to communicate about what we want, the reason we are unwilling to do that is because we are being run by an unconscious assumption that we don't deserve it. And that's worthiness, right? That is, that is worthiness in a nutshell. So if we're talking about like, let's, the, the, the topic for today is what is worthiness and where do you find it, right? So if we're going to first start by talking about what is worthiness, let's just start there. Worthiness is something that is alive inside of you that makes you feel that you have every right to ask for what you want from something, or I should say from someone or from a relationship. And we could translate this to business, right? I have every right to ask my boss for a raise. I have every right to quit a job I hate and go pursue something I love. Right. I have every right. Like we could, we could translate it to every area of our life. Could translate it with your parents. I have every right to say like to my mother or my father, you can't speak to me like that. I'm not a child anymore. I'm an adult and you will treat me with respect if you want to have a relationship with me. Right. I have every right to say something like that to my parents. I have every right to say something like that to my siblings, to my friends, to my coworkers. Right, so worthiness is pervasive across all areas of life. But let's, for this conversation, let's keep it in the context of a romantic relationship or a romantic interest, because that's where, that's where I think it really is important for, for what we're talking about here, and especially for a lot of you who are listening today. So within a romantic context, worthiness is something that is alive inside of your soul that says I have every right 
to tell this person what I want. And there's a, there's a trust inside of me that says that when I tell this person what I want, they're going to want to offer me that. Right? Like when I, when I communicate to this person, like, and we'll just keep it very simple. Like, let's use the example I was talking about earlier. Right? When I communicate to this person that, hey, you know, I love our connection. I love spending time together. I love hearing from you. I love seeing you. You know, like there's so much good about this relationship and I really enjoy it. And, and when you go dark for days at a time in between us seeing each other, like that doesn't feel very good to me. You know, that when I, when I think about the kind of relationship I want to have, like I want us to have more consistent communication than that. I want to hear from you more regularly. Like, I want to know that you're thinking about me and that you want to talk to me, right? So, so when you communicate something like that, rather than feeling like, oh my God, I'm taking up too much space in this relationship and they're going to leave, right? Which equates to unworthiness, unlovability, not enoughness. It's, I know what a gift I am. I know the greatness that I bring to this relationship. I know the amazing gifts that I bring to this person's life. I know how lucky this person is to have me in their life. And because of that, I feel totally comfortable asking for what I want. And if this person doesn't recognize what a gift I am and how much value I bring to their life, that they can't put in a little bit of effort to make me happy, then all that does is communicate to me that I am way out of this person's league. That I am way more high value than this person deserves to have in their life. And worthiness is an internal sense that all of that is true. Right? It's just an internal sense that all of that is true. So, we could say that's what worthiness is. So where does it come from? Right? Where does, where does somebody find that in themselves? And why do some people have it and some people don't? Right? Like what, what is, what are the people who feel worthy, who ask for what they want from life and actually get it? Right? What are the people who feel worthy doing? that the people who feel unworthy are not doing? Like those are the questions I really want to answer in today's podcast because I want to tell, like, it's just so important that everybody gets this. You know, I could, I could do a, a podcast episode about three things to say to men to make them like you more or something stupid like that. And that would immediately get way more attention than me doing an episode about worthiness. Why is that? Like, like, I really want you to think about that because that's a problem, actually. When people are so much more concerned with give me a quick little trick that I can use to manipulate someone into getting something I want from them. But if you're going to tell me how to actually feel great about myself and love myself, like, I'm not so interested in that. Like, that is a real problem with the consciousness of human beings on our planet right now. 
Because those little tips and tricks, those little quick fixes, they don't work. Like they might get you some attention one day. They might get you a little momentary gratification for one moment, but it is not going to do anything in terms of helping you create the life you want to create. But really learning how to feel worthy and feel fulfilled and recognize like the love and value that, that is within you and how deserving you are because of that, like that is, that is everything in your life. That is the thing that is going to literally like whatever you want in life that you don't currently have, that's the thing that's going to bring it to you. Not a quick little tip about what to say to make someone like you. And, you know, this is, it's one of my biggest frustrations is how backwards most people's thinking is. How quickly we flock to a quick fix, but when it comes to really doing the work to really have the life that you really want to have, people aren't interested in that. And like, I I mean, that's heartbreaking for me because people are suffering. And a lot of them don't really want it to get any better. They say they want it to get better, but then it's like, here, this is everything you need to do to get to, to, to make it better. And people go, oh my God, that's exhausting. Like I, I see that, I see that in, in the comments on, on my posts sometimes. People are like, this is exhausting. And I'm like, well, isn't like getting ghosted over and over and over again, isn't that exhausting? Isn't going out on another dead end freaking date with someone who's not like going to give you any like real commitment or like, isn't that exhausting? Like, isn't your life the way it is now exhausting? And it might take a little bit of work to turn things around, but if you actually could turn things around and make it better, wouldn't that be worth it? Like, wouldn't it be worth it to actually feel amazing about yourself? Right? So this is really... I'm stressing these points because I really want everyone to understand like how important it is to engage with this conversation of worthiness, how important it is to question your own worth and not in a negative way, but like to really sit there and ask yourself like, how worthy am I? Like, what do I really deserve to have from life? And and why do I feel like I deserve so much less than I actually do? What's going on for me? Right? Like these are some of the most important questions a human being could ever ask themselves. And most people in the world are doing everything they possibly can to avoid asking these questions. So, so let's talk about it. Where does a person find worthiness? And I think I need to contextualize this conversation just a little bit because this is really a spiritual conversation. Like when you talk about worthiness, this is really a spiritual conversation that we're talking about because like the question of worthiness is really a question of what am I made of? Where do I come from? Because that is where your worth comes from. You see, we live in a world that teaches us that our worth is determined by what we do. This is what the world has taught us since you were a little kid, right? Your worth is determined by what you do. And like from the time we're, I mean, really from the time we're born, but especially like when we're a young child and as we get older, we are treated with conditional love. Like our parents, teachers, the people who raised us, like they did not give us unconditional love. They just didn't. 
They gave us conditional love. And what I mean by that, when I say they gave us conditional love, what I mean by that is they taught us that if you're a good boy or a good girl, I love you. And if you're a bad boy or a bad girl, I don't love you. And, and what I mean by that is it's like there were certain expectations that our parents, teachers, and other caretakers, other adults in our lives had for who we were supposed to be and how we were supposed to be, the kinds of things we were supposed to say, the kinds of things we were supposed to do, right? There were certain expectations that were placed upon us from literally the time we were born. And when we lived into these expectations, when we showed up as the little people that the big people thought we were supposed to be, they said, oh, you're so good. You're so great. I love you so much. And when we didn't, they said, go to your room or you're in trouble or they gave you a dirty look or they spanked you or they scared you or they yelled at you or whatever, whatever form of punishment was present in your upbringing. But the message was very clear. And, and sometimes it wasn't even when you were good, it wasn't even like, oh, I love you, you're so great. Sometimes it was like, good job. And sometimes it was even, well, that's just what you're supposed to do. Right? That's how my dad was. My dad, my dad never rewarded good things. My dad, when, when you did something good, he said, well, that's just what you're supposed to do. And when you did something bad, you were punished for it. Right? So the best I could get from my dad was neutral. My mom was a little better. But the point is, is that we were all given conditional love. And what conditional love teaches us psychologically is that who I am, who I am is not right. Who I am is not good. Who I am is not enough. But it's what I do. And so, like, I really want you to understand the gravity of this because from the time you were a very little child, you were taught not to do what was authentic for you, what was true for you, what was real for you. But you were taught to ask yourself, what do other people want from me? And then do that. And if you really think about the gravity of that, like the impact that that has on a little child, and that there's really no point in your life when you unlearned that. There was really no point in your life when you sat down and said, oh, wait a minute, that's not really true. I can do whatever I want. <laughs> right? And so you learned that when you were three, four, five years old. They say, you know, most of the therapists and people who study this stuff, they say like the majority of the beliefs that we'll carry for our entire lives were created before the age of seven, right? So if you think like three, four, five years old, we're really taking on these beliefs and integrating them. And then what happens is now you're 25, 35, 45 years old, you're in a relationship with the person and you feel like I can't ask for what I want from this relationship. And why do you feel that way? Because when you were a little kid, your parents taught you not to take up too much space not to ask for too much, not to be too difficult, right? When you asked for more from your parents than they were willing to give you, you were punished for that. 
You were sent away for that. You were told to go to your room. You were put in time out. When you had emotional needs that your parents didn't know how to deal with, you were punished or made wrong or put in trouble for having those emotional needs. And so now here you are, a grown-ass adult, and you don't know how to ask for what you want. You don't know how to communicate your emotions. And there is a fundamental belief inside of you operating every day, in every situation, everywhere you go, in every interaction, that's telling you that there's something wrong with you. There's something wrong with who you are. There's something about you that is not enough. Because your entire childhood, those were the impressions that were constantly enforced and reinforced and reinforced and reinforced. And it happened at home. It happened at school. As you got older, it started to happen among your friends. There were certain expectations of who you were supposed to be socially, how to fit in socially, how to be accepted socially. And all of this, all of these external impressions, all of these external voices telling us who we're supposed to be and how we're supposed to be and what will get love from other people and what will get acceptance from other people and what will get us to be liked by other people. All of these external impressions that have constantly been forced upon us from the moment we were born create this sense inside of our own heart that there is something wrong with me. There is something that's not right about me. There is something missing from me. There is something that is not enough from me. And so if I'm so small and so inadequate and so unworthy and so unlovable and there's something that's so wrong with me, then who am I to ask for something from this person? I'm lucky that they're even paying attention to me right now. I'm lucky that they're even talking to me right now. And I better not do anything to rock the boat. I better not do anything to upset them. I better not show them that I have emotional needs. I better not show them my truth or my authenticity because they're not going to want to see that. I better just try really hard to be everything they want me to be. Because that's what I had to do with my parents. That's what I had to do with my teachers. That's what I had to do with my friends. That's what I had to do in school. So I better not take up too much space. I better not make this relationship too difficult. And so this is the source of our unworthiness. And, and, You've got to understand, like, we all have this. Like, you can't grow up on this planet and not have it. Because, like, look at where our parents came from. Like, most of our parents were, like, the baby boomer generation. Or some of you might be ba baby boomers. So if you are, then that means your parents, like, came from the Great Depression or, or shortly after that, right? Like, World War II. Right? So if you look at, if you look at the, the context in which our parents grew up, if you look at the world they grew up in, like, I mean, like, look at, if we just look at World War II for a moment and, and how all the men were sent off to fight and all the women were sent to factories to work. 
and I'm talking about the U.S. here. If, if you were in a different place, like it was a little bit different, right? So, but I'm talking about what happened in the U.S. The men were sent off to fight and the women were sent to factories to work. Do you think the men wanted to go fight? You think they wanted to leave their families to go kill people? Of course not. You think the women wanted to go to factories to work? I mean, honestly, it was probably a little bit liberating for them after they'd been kept as housewives, right? So, so maybe to some degree they did, but I'm sure that wasn't the fullest truth of how they wanted to spend their lives, right? This was forced upon people. And even the, the message in that is that what you want, what you want to do with your life doesn't matter. Who you want to be in the world doesn't matter. You're here to serve your country. You're here to serve the war. And this is where our parents came from, right? This is the world they were raised in. This is what they learned about themselves, and this is what they passed on to us. And so unworthiness is something that is woven in to our culture. It's something that is in every fabric of our culture. It's something that is impressed upon every single human being that is born into this world. And yes, I, I know I'm talking about the history of the U.S. right now, but look at the history of any other country in the world. You'll find the same kind of fucked up shit going on. Just a different flavor of it. In many countries, it's way worse. So this is all of us. This is a human problem. We all struggle with our worthiness. And we are in an age right now, like, look, I look at my grandfather. He grew up during the Great Depression. I look at my mother, like, like they didn't really have a chance. They, they really didn't. The world they grew up in didn't give them any opportunity to become more. But now we live in an age where we have the internet, we have access to information, we have coaches and therapists like that are mainstream right now. Like there is, there is so much opportunity in our world today to heal that our parents in previous generations didn't have. And to me, like there's a responsibility in that. Like because I have opportunities that my mother didn't have, I have a responsibility to take advantage of that. And so that is immediately going to lead me to question my own worthiness. Because, and again, I don't mean that in a negative way. I mean to question, like, what am I really worth? You know, like my whole life I was taught one thing. You know, in, in my childhood, my, like, I was taught that I needed to conform to a religion because that's what my mom knew. And if I didn't conform to a religion, I was bad. And so my whole life, like everything I wanted to do went against my mother's religion. And I was constantly taught that I was not worthy because I wanted to be something other than what God wanted me to be, according to my mother and her beliefs. And so even though my mom loved me, and even though she was a good mother and she tried her best, she consistently taught me that I was not worthy. She consistently taught me that there was something wrong with me. And so now as an adult, as the responsible agent in my own life, right? Like I'm not a child anymore. I can't sit around and blame my mom and my dad for fucking me up. Like I'm an adult now. I'm the responsible person in my own life. So it's my job to heal whatever stuff I picked up from my parents and become better. 
And in doing that, I have to ask myself, what am I worth? What do I really deserve from life? And these are big questions to ask. And so when you're asking yourself, what am I worth? What do I deserve from life? And not asking it through your limiting beliefs of all the impressions you got in your fucked up childhood, right? But really asking it from your heart, from an authentic place. What am I worth? What do I deserve from life? And there's only one real answer. It's that I came from the same place that everyone else on this planet came from. I'm not claiming to know where that is. Okay. Like, I don't know exactly where that is or exactly what that means. But I know that we all come from the same place. We're all created by the same creator. Whatever that means to you. And that means different things to different people and that's okay. But whatever God is, whatever spirit is, whatever the source of life is to you, you were made by that. The same way that everyone and everything else was. And so if you are made from the same stuff that everyone else is made from, if you come from the same place that everyone else in the world comes from, then inherently, inherently, you are just as worthy as every single person on this planet. And whatever anyone deserves on this planet, you deserve that too. Now, someone could say we all deserve to suffer and, you know, be in pain and, and whatever, but I don't really think, like, that's not my understanding of God or the universe or life. Like, that, that's not how I understand it. So what I understand, and I think these are questions that every individual has to answer for themselves. But what I have come to understand through my own spiritual journey through my own personal relationship with God, through my own growth and awareness, what I have come to understand about life and about people is that we deserve the absolute best. That we deserve love and kindness and goodness and generosity and compassion and understanding like we deserve that. Like we are, we are made of that because like, I personally, I believe that's what God is. And again, I think these are questions everyone has to answer for themselves. You know, if you think God is some kind of like tyrannical, jealous being that's playing these manipulative games and you're my favorite today and you're my favorite next week and let's let the chosen people win the war. Like, you know, if that's your God, then maybe you don't believe that you're worthy. And if that works for you, I go for it. I don't care. 
But personally, like, I can't believe that that's what God is. Because I believe that God is love. I believe the universe is made from love. I believe that we are made from love. And that picture is not loving. Right? Like that whole jealous choosing favorites. I like some other better than others. Like, that's not loving. That's more like traumatized human consciousness than it is like what I imagine a God would be. Like I imagine a God to be something that has transcended the traumatized human consciousness. And so if God is love, and this is again my personal belief, and you'll have to find your own, but if God is love, and I come from that love, I'm created by that love, I'm an extension of that love, then inherently I have to be like that love. I have to be the same as that love. Which means I only deserve what's good. But I think this human journey is one of evolution. And so the responsibility that we each have here in this time and place in this planet is to recognize our worthiness. To choose that for ourselves and to honor it above everything else in life. And so when in doing that, in choosing our worthiness, what do I want to say here? Like choosing your worthiness, like this is by asking these questions right now. And I, I've said a few times, like questioning your worth, really asking yourself, what do I deserve? And then that, that begs all these questions of what am I made of? Where do I come from? What is God? What is the creator? What is the universe? What is the space we exist in? Right? Like this opens up all these deeper questions that you've really got to wrestle with and you've got to find your own answers to these questions. But when you answer these questions for yourself, and, and I, I truly believe this, like, again, this is a personal journey that everybody has to go on. But when you truly answer these questions for yourself authentically from your heart, I believe there's no other answer you can come up with. Because I do believe that when you earnestly seek from your heart, the truth will be revealed to you. Like the truth will speak to you about itself and it will tell you what it is. And so if you've really done the seeking in your own heart, then to some degree you have to come to the same conclusion. And again, I can't do that for you. You have to do that yourself. But ultimately, you come to the conclusion that I am made of love, and therefore I deserve love. And anything that is not love is not worthy of me. And so once you reach that place, once you really understand your own worthiness, and you reach that place of really being connected to how worthy and valuable and loving you are, and that you only deserve the very best from life, it awakens something inside of you to where I can never allow myself to accept less than that. I, like once I know who I am and I know what I'm made of, 
I can never again allow myself to accept less than that. And so what starts to happen is in any area of my life where I start to feel that I'm being treated with less than that, I have to stand up for myself. I have to create a boundary. I have to say no. I have to walk away. I have to let go of things. Because who I know myself to be literally cannot do anything other than that. Now that's that's a powerful place to stand in. And I think so many of us right now are on our journey trying to get to that place. But once you arrive in that place, every aspect of your life changes because you literally cannot accept less than you deserve anymore. It's literally impossible for you to do that. You just There's something inside of you that just will not allow yourself to do that. And so what starts to happen is you're in a relationship and you might, you, you know, if I go back to the example I started with today where you know, you have somebody and you're really connected to them and there's, you know, a really deep connection with each other and, and it feels really good, but then they go dark for, you know, days at a time in between. There's something inside of you that says, I can't accept this. I can't allow this because I deserve consistency. And so It's not a matter of like, well, I really should say something or I shouldn't say something or I want to say something, but I don't know how. Like all those considerations are gone at this point because you're just like, I have to say something. I cannot allow less. I cannot tolerate less. I cannot accept less. Like I just, I just refuse to deal with inconsistency. Who I am is so far above that, that I just cannot allow this in my life. It doesn't matter if I would like to. Like, sure, it would be easier to just let it go and not rock the boat and not make it uncomfortable and not deal with the emotions around. Like, it would be easier to do that. But who I am and who I know myself to be simply cannot allow myself to do that. And so you just start talking about things that you've never talked about before in your life. And you might be afraid to do it and your heart is pounding and your palms are sweating and you're nervous and you're like, I I might lose this person. Like they might walk away from me because like, I I want, I want everyone to get this. Like when you understand that you're worthy, your old programming doesn't just disappear, right? It's not like just poof, it's gone. It's still there. You still have to wrestle with it a little bit. But what changes is that your worthiness always wins out. Because once you get that feeling like, I just, I just simply cannot allow this anymore. Then what happens is your worthiness will always win out. 
And so you'll still wrestle with it. You'll still have that fear of like, are they going to leave me? Or am I going to rock the boat? Like, I don't want to upset them. Like, I don't want to lose them. Like all that stuff is still going to be there. But it just becomes very simple now because at the end of the day, you're like, I get it. Like it, it doesn't really, like, like I feel all of that. I'm afraid. I don't want to lose the person. It's scary for me. I don't know how to talk about it. But all of that stuff just doesn't really matter anymore. Because you're like, I have to do it anyway. Like, I just have to honor myself here. And, and what starts to happen is there's a whole restructuring of your value system. Because before, your value system has been all wrapped up in, are they going to like me? Am I going to make them happy? Am I going to get their approval? Are they going to want to keep seeing me? Are they get, like, you know, like all your values were wrapped up in external stuff. Getting what you wanted from them, getting the attention, the approval, the validation that you wanted from them. It was all wrapped up externally. But now, now what's happening is your value system is derived internally. And even though like you're, again, the, the beliefs and the programming that you've received since childhood are going crazy at this point because they're, they're terrified and they're telling you, no, 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 don't do that. You're going to lose them. And, and, oh, I, I can't believe you said that. Why are you doing this? And it would have been so much better if you would just blah, blah. Like your belief system is going crazy right now because there's something in your heart that just doesn't care about it anymore. There's something in your heart that says, no, no, no. I have to honor my truth. That is the ultimate reward. Respecting myself is the ultimate reward. Honoring my boundaries is the ultimate reward. Saying no to that person is the ultimate reward. Right? Like there's something in your heart. Like again, it's a restructuring of your value system that all of a sudden you see, you see things differently and you say, this is valuable. Self-respect, self-honoring, that's what's valuable. And all this chasing attention and approval and getting people to like me, that's not valuable anymore. That just doesn't suffice anymore. And this is the period of, I would say, doing the work. It's like the old way doesn't work anymore. Playing into all those games, like that doesn't work anymore. That just is not enough for you anymore. It just doesn't suffice anymore. But you haven't yet reached the point of fully settling into your worth and believing in it. And so you're in a weird place. You're in this in-between place of, I have to honor my worth, and yet doing so terrifies me. And so what'll often happen is you'll have those conversations, hey, listen, I need more from this relationship. I need more effort. I need more consistency. I can't be okay with this. I can't just let this continue to go on like this, right? You're having these conversations. And then what is often happening sometimes is people are leaving as a result of these conversations. Why? Because you've had the internal shift 
but you don't believe it yet. You don't believe in yourself yet. You have a new value system, right? Your value is in a different place now, but you haven't gotten to the place where you actually trust that and believe in that wholeheartedly. And so there's this period of time where you are actively working to create worthiness. And this is the period where people will often say, fake it until you make it. Right? It's like, it's like just act worthy. Even if you don't believe you're worthy, just act worthy anyway. Even if you're terrified and you're shaking and you're crying, you just do it anyway. Because you have to, you have to honor yourself no matter what. And then as you start to take those actions, you start to trust those actions more and more and more and more. You start to believe that this can actually work more and more and more and more. And what's really interesting is like externally, people might walk away, people might ghost you, people might say that's too much for me, I'm not ready for that. So externally, you're not even getting the validation that you used to get, right? Before, you used to bend over backwards to get all this validation from people. Externally, you're not even getting that anymore. But the, the craziest, the most magical thing happens is the more you honor yourself, the more you feel how good it feels to honor yourself. The more you start to feel in your body that that is where the real reward lies. Because, you see, you've spent your whole life chasing validation. You've spent your whole life chasing approval and attention, and all it ever did was make you feel awful. You see, you got all that attention from the person, but all it did was make you feel bad about yourself. And the reason it made you feel bad about yourself was because you weren't getting that attention for who you really were. You weren't getting that attention because I'm amazing and this person sees how amazing I am and they're giving me that attention because they think I'm amazing. No, it wasn't like that. It was, it was a game. It was a false hope, right? You were getting the attention because you were pretending to be something you weren't. And so no matter how much attention that you got, no matter how much love and approval that you got, you always felt horrible inside because it just wasn't, it just wasn't real. It just wasn't true. And now what's happening is you're honoring yourself. You're actually not getting the attention. You're not getting the approval and you feel better about yourself. How, how does that happen? Like it, that, that is literal magic right there. When you let go of everything you thought you needed your whole life and somehow you still feel better about yourself, like that's literally magic. It's, it's, it's literally like alchemy. And then what starts to happen is you start to place your faith inside of yourself rather than outside. Because you start to understand, like, this is not a concept. This is not an idea. 
you start to understand in a physiological way, like it is alive in your body. You feel it alive in your body. You feel that, oh my God, honoring myself feels so much better than chasing approval from people. Even when people walk away, it feels so much better. And so you just start to trust that. And like when we talk about faith, faith is trusting the unseen, right? Faith is trusting like you can't see it, but even though you can't see it, you still know that it's true. How do you know that it's true? Because it's speaking to you from the inside out, right? Something inside of you is telling you what's true. And even though that external validation isn't there anymore, it doesn't matter. Because truth itself is speaking to you. And then the real magic starts to happen. And little by little, you start to attract people into your life that are different from anything and anyone you've ever experienced before. Because what's happened is you first cut out the behavior that was reinforcing the old vibrational state, right? You cut out the behavior that was reinforcing the old vibrational state. You started to behave in ways that reinforced the new vibrational state, the vibrational state of worthiness and love. And then you went through this period of actively raising your vibration, raising your level of energy from the old state to the new state. And the more your actual energetic presence starts to reflect your behavior, right? The new behavior, it like, it like calls in the new energetic presence. The new behavior calls in that new energy. And then what starts to happen is your actual vibration starts to match the vibration of that new behavior. So now it's not something you do in fear. It's not something you do because you know it's the right thing to do, but you don't feel confident about it. You start to have full confidence in it. You start to believe in it fully. You start to accept it as a representation of who you are. I couldn't possibly do anything different because this is who I am. Your identity has transitioned from the old worthless identity, the old unlovable identity, to somebody who is immensely worthy and immensely valuable and full of love and deserving of love. And now you're standing in it fully. You're standing in it completely. 
And now your whole life starts to look different. The kinds of people you attract are different. The level of your anxiety is different. Right? Like instead of freaking out, like when someone doesn't call, like you just start to have a sense of peace about you. Because you know that you're okay whether that person calls or not. Like your worth is not predicated on whether or not that person likes you anymore. It's predicated on who you know yourself to be from the inside out. And this is the point where you attract in the love that you've been seeking your whole life. The love that your whole life you've thought Once I find this love, everything's going to get better. I'll finally be happy. I'll finally feel good about myself. And you realize that, oh, it's not that the love is going to come and make me feel that. It's that I have learned how to access that and feel that on my own. And the love is coming as a result of that. You see, most of us have spent our lives waiting for someone to come and tell us that we're enough. And when someone says, oh my God, I love you so much. You're the most amazing thing I've ever seen. I, I worship the ground you walk on. You're just the most beautiful thing in the world. I just, I, I hope you never leave. I hope I can have you for my whole life. And we've been waiting for someone to come and say that to us and thinking that when someone says that, we will finally feel like we're enough. And we realize that nobody is ever going to say that and mean it, right? Sometimes people say it, right? But nobody is ever going to say that and mean it until we have owned that within ourselves first. And then what starts to happen is people start showing up with that real intention. They start saying that and meaning that. But at that point, It's really just you talking to yourself. Because it is the universe reflecting back to you what you believe about yourself. So all those years that you were chasing love and feeling inadequate for it and trying to manipulate it and force it, And having all this anxiety of what if they don't call or what if I lose them or how can I live without them? And and like all these years that you were living in that and that was your reality. All of your relationships were reflecting that truth back to you. All the years that you thought that's who you were, The universe was bringing people like that into your life. Again, as you speaking to yourself through their mouths, telling you, this is who you are. This is what you're worth. And once you change that on the inside, the universe will then bring new people into your life. Once again, you speaking to yourself through their mouths. 
reinforcing to you what you believe to be true about yourself. Like if you are unwilling to acknowledge that this world is one big mirror, constantly telling you what you believe about yourself, then you will always be a victim. You will always be helpless and powerless in your life. Because you will always be chasing things outside of yourself and you will be exhausted and empty-handed. You know, going back to what I said earlier, I, I just I I'm saying this because I saw a comment yesterday. You know, I made I put up a video, and the video was actually about this. It, not this exact idea, but the video was about how love is, is a journey of personal evolution. Like, our search for love is a journey of personal evolution. It's a journey of us going within ourselves and asking ourselves what we're really worth. And then finding ways to bring that worthiness to the world in a bold and powerful way to then have it reflected back to us. Like that's what our journey to love is. And I, I made this video about that. And someone commented on the video. They said, oh my God, that sounds exhausting. And I'm like, well, yeah, it is exhausting at times. But so is like spending your whole life chasing love and ending up empty handed. You know, spending your whole life clinging to people going, if they would just please love me, I will finally feel enough and having them walk away every time. Getting ghosted over and over again. Like, I mean, what's more, uh, what's more exhausting? Like, I mean, to me, it's obvious. Like that is way more exhausting than just really putting in the work on myself and really getting clear about who I am and what I deserve and then developing the courage to show up to life in accordance with that, no matter what. I mean, yeah, there's work in that. And it can be hard sometimes. It can be challenging sometimes. It can be scary at times. But you're going to be exhausted either way. Do you want to be exhausted with no benefit? Or do you want to be exhausted and have all your dreams come true? I, you know, it's, it's like, uh, I've, I've heard this said before. It's like, choose your hard, right? Yeah, like, you know, chasing people all around and desperately trying to get their love, that's hard. That is a hard life. Putting the effort in to recognize your worthiness and asking people to show up for you with that, that's hard too. Choose your heart, right? How do you want your life to be? So I think I've, uh, I think I've covered that pretty thoroughly. And there is, there is a lot to explore here. I want to read uh, Stephanie's comment. And Stephanie, good to see you on here today. I've seen you commenting as we go along. Um, but I want to read Stephanie's comment here. She says, you get to a point where it isn't hard anymore. And it's actually incredibly rewarding. And that is the, that is the truth. And thank you for sharing that because I, I know I've, I've had the privilege to kind of witness your journey and I've seen you step into that over the years. And it is it, that you are speaking the absolute truth right now. It gets to a point where it isn't hard anymore. 
It just feels so good to do it, even when you don't get what you want. You know, I remember walking away from certain relationships and feeling a bit of sadness and a bit of loss at the realization that the relationship was ending and that I was going to need to move on without the person. It wasn't a devastating heartbreak like I'd experienced in the past. I mean, I I had experienced devastating heartbreak. It wasn't that. But it was sadness and loss. Knowing that I was walking away from and losing something that, that had brought a lot of joy to my life. But at the same time, feeling in my heart this incredible clarity and confidence that the love I really wanted was closer than ever before. And there was no external metric to validate that for me. There was nothing I could measure and go, okay, well, it should be arriving any day now. No, like It wasn't like that. It was an internal knowing that came from my soul. And to Stephanie's point, I think when you get to that place that she's talking about right there, that's that's also the place where you start to have that trust and you can feel that love is making its way into your life in a very real way. And you don't need any external metric to validate that for you. You know it in your soul. Like that that feeling in your soul just brings you to life. It lights you up. And it's actually a light that moves through you and out into the world. And when you walk into a room, everyone turns around and goes, who is that? Because on a subconscious level, they can see that light coming from you even if they don't even realize it. The people who find real, deep, long-term, committed, authentic love are the people who learn to embody that energy. It's really that simple. The people who never learn to embody that energy are the people who stay on that hamster wheel, chasing love day after day. Eventually, maybe you get so exhausted that you just give up on it altogether and you just stay alone. Or maybe you settle in a relationship and you get married to someone and you just spend your life with them, but you're not really happy and it's not really fulfilling. But you just did it because you thought it was the best you could hope for. That's the predicament that we're in here, right? When it comes to love, that is the predicament we're in. And there's no, there's no way around it. People say like, oh, well, we all know that person who never did any work on themselves and they're in, they're in a relationship. How do you know? How do you know? <laughs> right? I mean, they're in a relationship. Okay, are you their therapist? Have they told you their deepest, darkest thoughts or do you just see what they post on Instagram? Because as someone who has spent my entire life studying the human condition, 
studying the reality of being human, I just can't believe that's true. It is incongruent for everything I know about how this life works, how these bodies work, how our minds work. It is completely incongruent to all of that. And so if you're doing that right now, if you're sitting there pointing that out and saying, well, we all know someone who did no work on themselves and they're in a happy relationship, well, then you're just making excuses for yourself right now because you feel stuck and you don't know what to do. And I say that with love and there are ways out of that. But the, the first step there is to stop lying to yourself. That's the first step. Okay, so I want to open up for some questions now. I think I've covered this topic in some pretty good detail. Um, what I'm going to do, I'm going to scroll back through here. I've seen several questions come in today already. I'm going to scroll back through and take a look at the questions. And if anybody has questions, just go ahead, drop them in the chat, and we can take a look at those as well. All right. So I'm going to start with this question from Ladida. And um, I don't know if you're still with me. This question came in at the very beginning today. But I wanted to go back to it because it is perfect for today's conversation. So la dida, I, I hope you are still with me because I really want to speak into this. The question is, if a guy genuinely has too much going on to be in a relationship, but we have an amazing connection, how do I optimize chances of it working out in the future? My friend, you have no self-worth. Based on this question, I say, I say that with fire because I'm a little bit angry that somebody feels this way about themselves, but please hear me. Like I have passion and commitment to you getting it, that you're worthy and that you deserve so much better than this kind of bullshit. So please hear me on this. If a guy genuinely has too much going on to be in a relationship, first of all, he doesn't. Okay. I mean, talk to somebody who's raising three kids, running a business, managing a marriage, like, and, and ask me if they have too much going on. Like, look, there are people having it all. Like, I, I mean, like, for, I'll just take myself, for example. I don't even have kids yet. Okay. Like, my plate is full. My plate is so full that I wake up every day and start and go right up till the time it's time to go to bed. And, and like, it's just every minute of my day is full and I could, I could still do more if I wanted to. Like, it's not like I get everything done every day. There's always more. There is no such thing as somebody having too much going on to be in a relationship. First of all, there is somebody wanting a relationship and somebody not wanting a relationship. Anybody could say they have too much going on. And when they say that, what they're saying is, I'm not in a place where I want that right now. Or they're saying, I don't want you right now. That's it. And I, I hate to be the bearer of bad news, so to speak, or, you know, I hate to have to be that direct, but you've got to like, You've got to be worthy enough to not buy into bullshit like this. So how do I optimize chances of it working out in the future? So this person's not ready for you and you're just going to sit around and wait for your chance in the future. I mean, 
how, like, how little value do you think you have? And like, God, I love you so much. Like, I want you to, like, it pisses me off because I'm going like, you're amazing. What are you doing sitting around and waiting for someone? Get out there, go meet someone else. Like, go live your life. Go show the world how amazing you are and stop waiting for somebody who's not ready for a relationship, which all that means is they don't want one. Now, we could say maybe the person is going through a divorce or a breakup. Like, there are people who are literally not ready for a relationship, right? They have to get their shit together. They have to get their life together. But that doesn't justify sitting around and waiting for them. And by the way, my wife and I were both going through, I wouldn't necessarily call it a breakup, but I would call it a heartbreak. My wife and I were both going through a heartbreak when we met. So it, it doesn't it doesn't even suffice to say that, oh, well, you know, if they're going through a separation, like, no, it's just very simple. Somebody's ready to jump into a relationship or they're not. And, and you like taking all these excuses, like it just, I just, it's frustrating for me because it just, it does not serve you. And you are so much better than that. You're so much better than that. So how do you optimize your chances of it working out in the future? I'm going to tell you how to optimize your chances of it working out in the future. First thing you do is you say, I'm sorry that you can't make time for this relationship but it's really gonna be your loss because you are missing out on an amazing human being right now. Second thing you do is you say, and I'm not gonna wait for you. Like if you're choosing this, you are missing your chance with me. The second thing you do is you go out, live your life in an amazing way, be the most amazing version of yourself you can possibly be, live the most beautiful, extraordinary, passionate life. Let him see you doing that. Let him see how amazing you are. Let him see what he missed out on and have him come back to you begging for a second chance. But the truth is, if you really do that, and I'm not saying to pretend to do that. I'm not saying to go do a bunch of cool stuff and take pictures of it and post it on Instagram so he can see it while you're secretly pining over him. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying to really go do it. Let him go Go live your life. Go be freaking awesome and let him see it. And if you really do that, by the time he comes around begging for a second chance, you're not even going to be interested because your world will have opened up so much that you will see him for the low value partner he is. And you say, how do I know he's a low value partner? Truth is, I don't. Like, I don't know the story. I don't know what he's going through. So it, I can't say that. But here's, here's what I'll say. Is I coach women who are dating guys and guys say shit like this all the time. I'm genuinely not ready. I'm, I'm, I'm just coming out of a breakup or I'm focused on my business right now, or I just need to get to a better place. And 
90% of the time, what it means is I don't want to be committed. I don't want to put the effort in. What that means when a guy says that is I want to have my cake and eat it too. I want you to give me all the benefits of a relationship and I don't want you to have to rely on me for anything. I don't want to have any obligation to show up for you in any real way. That's what it means. Could this guy be the one in a million exception to that rule? I suppose it's possible. But look, I get questions like this all the time. I coach the ladies in my program all the time. And I'm going to tell you, I haven't found the exception to the rule yet. Thousands and thousands of people I've coached, I haven't found the exception to the rule yet. Now, if you want to convince yourself that you're the exception to the rule, that this guy is the exception to the rule, that this connection is so special and so unique and so valuable that you just have to hang on to it, go ahead, convince yourself of that. But all you're going to be doing is reinforcing how unworthy you are and how much you're going to be justifying the reasons to put your life on hold and wait for someone who's not ready for you. I love you too much to co-sign that bullshit, and I don't even know you. But it's just the truth. As a human being made by the same creator who made me, I love you too much to co-sign your bullshit on that. Because even if you don't know how worthy you are, I know how worthy you are. And I can't stand for that. If you're going to stand for that, then you're going to love yourself less than even I love you. That that might be a tough pill to swallow. Because I don't even know you. So, sending you so much love. I know this was for someone. If, if, if la-di-da, if you didn't get the message, then someone else will get the message. But yeah, yeah. So that's, that's my answer to that question. I'm going to leave it at that. Thank you for the question. I know I, I, know I was very direct with you there. But I hope I, I hope I woke something up in you. I hope I snapped you out of your days that was allowing you to settle for so little. And big love to you. Big love to you. You deserve it. Okay? Question from Wait Upon the Lord. How do you deal with a person when you speak your truth, they make it about them and get upset? That's a great question. That is a fantastic question. So how do you deal with someone when you speak your truth, they make it about you and they get upset? And this happens, right? Like, uh, a lot of times when you're, uh, one of the ways I see this show up with my clients a lot is that when you're in the early stages of dating and you start to talk about intentions and expectations, right? What you want to create in the relationship, the kinds of needs you have, the kinds of, you know, things, all of that kind of stuff, right? Some, I think women will probably do it too, but I'll definitely say men in particular will sometimes accuse you of being too needy, being too desperate, being too pushy, being too controlling, taking his freedom, um, and so on. Those kinds of things, right? So you're trying to communicate authentically 
about a need you have, about a preference you have, about an expectation you have, about the kind of relationship you want to build with them, about you know what you would like to see in it, right? So these are the kinds of things that you, you want to communicate. And this, this is met by the person shutting it down and saying, you're too needy or you're too whatever. Or maybe you're talking about a problem you have. Hey, you know, you did X, Y, and Z. And when you did that, that really hurt me. And, you know, I can't, like, I can't be okay with that. I can't accept that from you, right? So all these different things like these, and, and then that person, they might turn it around and being like, oh, well, you did blah, blah, blah. Or how dare you bring that up to me when you blah, 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 whatever, right? So the idea is, is that they're unwilling to receive what you're saying. And rather than hear what you're saying, receive what you're saying and engage with it like an intelligent, rational adult, they got to shut down what you're saying. So the first thing I want you to realize is that anytime you're involved with anyone who will not hear what you say, and rather they try to shut down what you say because they don't want to deal with it, that is a huge red flag. Huge red flag. Like one of the, one of the criteria to have a successful long-term relationship is that you can speak your truth, have it be received by that person, and they can talk about the thing that you're talking about without diverting it to some other topic so they have to avoid it. So my first, first thing I'd say is that's just a huge red flag. And I want you to let that in, that that's a huge red flag. Don't justify or excuse that. Don't turn it on yourself and go, I need to be better at communicating. Okay, now I will say there are ways of communicating that are effective. There are ways that instigate people and there are ways that pacify people. Okay, so like it's important that you learn effective ways of communicating. But in the conversation of worthiness and what we're talking about here, one of the ways that you are going to build your worthiness is by saying to someone like that very clearly and very calmly that, listen, you know, I am trying to be honest with you about something that is very real for me, about something that is on my heart right now, about something that is true for me. And if you can't receive that and understand that and have a mature conversation with me about it, then I will not be in this relationship with you. Period. End of story. Now, look, some people might have some bad habits. Some people might have some defensiveness. Some people might have some things they learned in childhood that they're very reactive, that when you start bringing up something and it's uncomfortable for them, they just kind of, uh, they snap and they get defensive and they get reactive, okay? But when you say what I just said, when you say to someone that I need you to be able to engage in these conversations with me, and if you can't, I will no longer be in this relationship. Like when you say that to someone, that should snap them out of it. And they should be like, you know what? You're right. I'm sorry. I just had a reaction for a moment. Let's talk about it. And if that person doesn't snap out of it, like you've got to realize you're dealing with someone who is unable 
or unwilling to have a healthy relationship. And if you honor yourself and your worthiness, you will walk away from a situation like that. Because it's mandatory. Like, it's, like this is a non-negotiable. You know, this isn't like how often do we text each other. Like, you know, you could, you could be a little bit flexible about that. You can compromise about that. That's not a deal breaker. But when it comes to you having the capacity to hear what's on my heart and have a mature adult conversation about it, if you don't have that ability, I like there's nothing I can do with this because I can't have the kind of relationship I want to have with someone who lacks that ability. It's just impossible. There is like when I dream of my life and you know 10 years from now the kind of relationship and partnership I want to be in and the kind of life we'll have together, there is no possible way that we can get there without having this skill right here. You know, if if someone shows that they are completely incapable, you could ask them like, "Listen, after after this showing up like three or four times, it seems to me that you are incapable of having these mature adult conversations. You can ask them like, are you willing to get some help with this? Are you willing to talk to a coach or a therapist about this and get some help and really work on this? And if they say no, then you're like, there's nothing I could do here. Like I have to leave. I have to leave at this point. You know, that, that question I just, uh, I just said earlier, I just want to say that again because I think that's so important. When I imagine 10 years from now the kind of life and love and partnership I want to be in, I need to be asking myself every step of the way if the dynamics that are showing up in this relationship right now if they continue like this, is that, are we going to get there? Right? If these dynamics continue in this way, are we going to get to that life and love that I'm dreaming about for myself? And if the answer is no, something needs to change. And I either need to dive in with you and say, hey, like we got to work on these things. We got to figure these things out or it's not going to work. Or I've got to accept that you're not the kind of partner I can go there with and I've got to walk away from you. And when you know your worthiness, you will do that. You will. And if you're settling for something that is so far below what you deserve, if you're settling for someone who treats you like that, Like, I'm just going to say it the way it is. Like, you don't know how worthy you are. And, you know, I've, I've come to find this, this, this is what I've come to understand about all of this is that your person is out there. The person that you can create that life with, like, like when you're sitting around and dreaming about the life you want to have and the love you want to have. There's someone else out there dreaming about something very similar. There is someone else out there who is dreaming about that exact kind of thing 
might be slightly different. They might have their own version of it, but it's very, very similar. And you can find that person. It is 100% possible. It's just a matter of how quickly you get to them. And the way you get to them quicker rather than slower is by recognizing what's not for you and walking away from it. And every day, week, month, year that you spend in a relationship that is not your highest good, that is not the maximum possibility of love for you, every moment you spend in that relationship, you are wasting time that you could be getting closer to your partner. You know, I was talking to my wife about this the other day, is it was six years. It was six years from the time that she uh, got divorced from her first marriage until the time she met me. Six years. So six years of working on herself, dating, exploring, meeting people, figuring out what she wants, figuring out what she don't want, walking away from what was not right for her. Six years, okay? Now, in a period of six years, she did not have one relationship that lasted more than two months. Now, she met lots of people. She dated lots of people. I mean, we, my wife and I, we've thoroughly explored all our past relationships together. We do it all the time. We sit around and talk about our past relationships. It's fun for us. We talk about what we learned, what happened, how we grew, all these kinds of things. And in six years, she did not have a single relationship that lasted more than two months. Now, a lot of these guys, it wasn't like she got ghosted all the time. My wife actually has never been ghosted. And I think that's a, a testament to the kind of woman that she is and how she shows up for people. But that, that's another conversation. But my wife has never been ghosted. She's had largely positive experiences. She's had a lot of guys that were very interested in her, guys that wanted to commit to her, spend their life with her. Like she's, And, and she was usually... Now, she's gotten dicked around by guys too. It's, it's not like she was completely uh, impervious to all of that. She's definitely, she's been breadcrumbed. She's been, you know, given the runaround. Like she's been through all of that too. But in every single relationship that she had with a man in that six-year period from her divorce from her first marriage till the time she met me, what she did was she met the person, she got to know them, she decided if they were right or wrong for her. And when she was clear they were not right for her, she left the relationship. Now, what's really interesting about my wife, and, and I love sharing this because I think a lot of people go through this, is she was really confused in her own mind in the six-year period because she's saying to herself, what's wrong with me? I haven't had a single relationship last longer than a couple of months in the last six years why aren't my relationships working out? What's wrong with me? Why can't I have a relationship last more than a couple months? And then she met me. And within a few months of dating me, she knew exactly why none of her relationships had lasted more than a couple of months. It's because they weren't right for her. And intuitively, she knew that. Even though in her head, she had all these questions like, 
did I do the right thing? Should I have stayed longer? Should I have given it a better chance, right? Like, you know, in her mind, she had all these questions, but intuitively she knew what was right for her and her personal sense of worthiness would not allow her to accept less than that. And so in this period of six years, she never let a relationship go on more than two months. And then when she met me and we get into our third month, and we get into our, you know, fourth month and fifth month and sixth month and our first year. And we start talking about this and she starts saying like, you know what? I understand now. I realize that the qualities that I experienced in this relationship were not present in my previous relationships. And so my own sense of worthiness could not allow me to stay in those. Now, here's what, here's what she not my wife so much, but other people really need to ask themselves, like, what if my wife had stayed in one of those relationships for six years? She would have missed me. You know, what if the first one went on for like a year and the next one went on for like eight months and the next one went on for like 18 months? She wouldn't have found me. She would have been all caught up in these other relationships and pining over what was lost and going, why wasn't I enough for them? She would have been so caught up in that that we would have been like two ships passing in the night. We would have just completely missed each other. And so I firmly believe that your person is out there. The question is, do you have enough confidence and courage and worthiness to let go of what is not right for you? So you can allow that to come in. So you can create space for that right relationship for you to come in. Or are you going to fall into fear and desperation and cling to everything that comes along? And I've never had a connection like this. I can't let it go. Like, look, there were many people that my wife dated in those six years that she thought, oh my God, I've never had a connection like this. I mean, like she met a guy in a bhakti community. Like th this is like a, a, for those of you who don't know what bhakti is, it's devotional yoga. Okay. This was a guy she met in a spiritual community that they could sing together and pray together and they could and they could like have these deep intellectual conversations about life and philosophy and like so much of my wife's needs were met in this relationship. But there were other aspects of the relationship that didn't fit. It would have been so easy for her to say, oh my God, I've never met someone like this. It's in a bhakti community and he understands my faith and we can sing and pray and worship together. And we have these deep conversations that go on all night and they would write letters to each other over email. And, and, and like we write these long letters to each other that are passionate and deep, like all this stuff, right? Like she could have gotten stuck on that. But after a couple of months, she realized like there are fundamental needs of mine that are not being met in this relationship. There are certain aspects of my authenticity that are not received and, and allowed and accepted in this relationship. And therefore, I can't be in it. And all of this amazing spiritual connection that we have, yeah, it's great. 
It's great. I'm grateful that I got to experience that with someone. But it's still not right for me. You know, I remember I've shared the story before. Um, when I, I've shared the story many times is when I was in a relationship with a married woman. And, you know, again, this was like maybe a month long relationship. It was very short. And, you know, this was someone, she was spiritual. She was deep. I mean, she was amazing. Like just as a human, she was amazing. Her, you know, integrity was a little compromised at that time. But as a human being, she was amazing. She was full of life and energy and vibrance. She had this lovely personality. Everybody adored her. She was a midwife. Like for, for a living, she literally brought babies into the world. I was like, oh my God, this is like the most incredible woman I've ever met in my life. And, and I was so like tied to the fact that like I've never met a woman like this. She's so amazing. Like I know she's married, but, but if I have an opportunity to be, to be with her, I have to take it. And it was one of the biggest mistakes of my life. And after about a month of being with her, I mean, one, this relationship just caused me to suffer immensely. But two, after a month of being with her, I got clear about something. That my personal values and my personal integrity could not allow this relationship to continue. And so this spiritual connection we had and the fact that she was so amazing and I've never met a woman like this and, oh, like, you know, this is what I imagined my dream person would always be like and here's my opportunity to have her. Like, that didn't matter anymore. Because what I got clear about was that my own integrity would not allow this relationship to continue. And that's a conversation of worthiness. It's a conversation of who do I believe I am, right? Who do I believe I am? And am I going to honor that? Or am I going to sell out my own integrity, my own value to have another human being in my life? And for me, it's like, how could I sleep at night knowing that's what I was doing? And, and like, to be honest, I couldn't sleep at night. I tried. I mean, boy, did I ever try to twist this in a way that would somehow make this situation acceptable. And I couldn't. Because it went against my truth. So, like, when you really start to step into and own your worthiness... These are the kinds of things that you're going to confront. And you're going to have to make those scary choices. And I'll just say, when I, when I, and I wouldn't even say I chose to break it off with her, the married woman, it, it was kind of mutual because, you know, she was afraid her husband was going to find out and, and it ended up just kind of falling apart on its own. And I'll tell you, that was one of the biggest heartbreaks of my life. It was, it was one of the biggest heartbreaks of my life. Like of all the relationships I've been in, that was one I struggled to get over more than many of the others. But I couldn't look back because I knew in my heart that the kind of partnership I wanted to have could not be born from a lack of integrity, could not be born from dishonesty, could not be born from lying and hiding and sneaking around like 
that just wasn't a part of the relationship I wanted to have. I wanted to post it on Facebook and tell everyone we were together. And I wanted to go out in public together and have us be seen together. And I, and I wanted, I wanted her to be mine and not to have to share her with her husband. Like that's what I wanted. That's what my value said. And so it doesn't matter how amazing she was. And I had to choose to let that go and do the work to get over it. Because that's what my worthiness said I had to do. I'm going to take probably just one more question. Uh, and then, then I'm going to probably wrap it up for today. But this is from, this is from uh, Spiggy21. Cool name, Spiggy. I like that. Um, my husband died two years ago, and I've started dating again. Very sorry to hear that, by the way. I, Whenever I hear about like people's partners passing away, I just I feel like that's got to be one of the most challenging things a person ever has to go through. So just so much love, and I'm really sorry to hear that. Uh, my husband died two years ago, and I've started dating again. I feel extremely needy, like I need constant attention, validation, physical contact, intimacy from my new partner. Is this wrong? Um, I don't want to say that it's wrong. I, I would never say it's wrong. But what I would say is that it's problematic. And it's illuminating something deeper. Right? So it's it's perfectly okay to feel these things. We all do. I mean, I've felt them even now. I mean, my wife and I are celebrating seven years in a, in a week or so, something like that. Um, I mean, I still feel needy in my relationship sometimes. I, I still like, you know, so it's not, it's not wrong to feel these things. I think these are human things. We all feel them at times. But it's really about how you deal with it. Because ultimately... It's not your partner's job to meet all these needs for you. It is their, I would say it's their role at times to meet your needs. You know, it's their role to show up for you, to be consistent, to love you, to care for you, to try to make you happy, to, you know, to, to make an effort in the relationship, to be there for you, to listen to you, to support you. Like that is your partner's role. But it is not their role to meet all of your emotional needs. And so what this is illuminating, and just to put it in a single word, is I would say like, this is illuminating a wounded inner child, right? Like these, these needs that you're experiencing, the constant attention, validation, physical contact, and intimacy, those are, those are childhood needs, right? Attention, pay attention to me. Validation, tell me I matter. Tell me I'm important. Physical contact, like touch me, hold me, right? Intimacy, like be there for me, care for me, right? Like these are, these are childhood needs. And what happens is in childhood, these needs really don't get met for most of us. They might get met to a certain degree, but not to a large degree. And so because these needs don't get met in our childhood, we kind of, we feel like an emptiness. We feel like a, like a something's missing. Like, you know, my parents never met these needs and my relationships have never met these needs. And I, I would say, like, probably, I don't know, but I would say even your late husband probably didn't meet all these needs. 
And maybe he did. Maybe you had a relationship that that fulfilled that in some way. I don't know. But it's it's likely that you probably felt this at that point as well. But then what happens even is, is in the loss of your husband. And maybe he did meet those needs to a certain degree. Maybe you felt very secure in that relationship. And then in losing him, like in that in and of itself is a huge trauma, right? And so maybe maybe that relationship with your husband was balanced and was healthy and, and you did meet each other's needs in a healthy way, but then you lost him. And now the trauma of losing him is causing like this intense fear and neediness. Like that, that could also be an option. I'm just speculating here. I don't know, right? I'm just speculating. But whatever whatever this is is it's illuminating like this wounded inner child or this inner child wound and what i would say is that again it's not wrong it's totally valid it's totally normal but what you want to do is start to familiarize yourself with this stuff and start to learn how to work with these needs so you don't constantly put it on your partner to meet them um, there's going to be some work around learning to communicate effectively with your partner. There's going to be some work around learning how to ask for your needs in a healthy way. There's going to be some work around learning how to meet certain needs yourself, learning how to accept when your partner is not available to meet your needs. Like, look, I'll just give an example. Like there are a lot of times when I might want my wife to, love up on me or, you know, have sex with me or, or something like that. And, you know, maybe this inner child part of me is feeling needy in that respect, right? Like, I want you to care for me. I want you to meet my needs. I want you to tend to me. I want you to pay attention to me. I want you to love me, right? And then there's this rational adult part of myself that says, okay, well, you know, my wife worked a full day. She cooked dinner you know, she's like, she's tired. Like she has a big day tomorrow. Like this might be her hour where she gets to rest and unwind and read a book and relax. And, you know, I want to allow her to have that space. I don't want to take that little bit of time she has and require her to make it all about me. And that doesn't mean that I don't get my needs met. It just means that there's a certain way that I can ask for that. There's a certain time and place where that would make sense, where she would have the energy and the desire to fulfill those needs, right? And so I need to be like a responsible adult here, not be a little child and, and go to my wife and be like, I need you to take care of me and meet all my needs, right? No, I need to be a responsible adult here. And I need to, you know, one, communicate about my needs to my wife and figure out how can these needs get met in a way that's not hurting you or taking away from your life. And then at the same time, I need to be able to care for those needs myself in the meantime. So if I go meditate, if, if I go watch some TV or, or, you know, I'm just, I don't know, I'm just like throwing things out here. Right. But, but if I go take care of myself in a way, maybe I call a friend, maybe, you know, like there are other ways it could work, but I, I care for myself in a way that, I can get through that time and tend to that need without putting it on my wife like it's her job and also communicate about what I need for her and get those needs met in a reasonable time, reasonable way.
right? So that's that's really the work. And what, what I want to say in, in terms of this question is like, those are the skills you've got to learn. Um, I would I would recommend by exploring some inner child healing. I think that's the best place to start here. And that will, uh, I think that'll greatly support you in navigating this and figuring out where to go from here. But thank you so much, everybody who's been with me today. It's, it's really been a pleasure speaking with you. I always look forward to this. I always get excited about this and, um, and yeah, just love to share. So thank you for being here and thank you for sharing with me today. I do want to just put this out there. Um, the Inspired Love Program, which is my uh, signature program where I I take you through these healing processes and we really, you know, we really talk about all of this from every angle. We deal with, we deal with your relationship with your parents and how that shaped you for your adult relationships. We deal with shame and the shame that you carry that causes you to feel that you're unworthy. We deal with forgiveness and releasing all the emotional and energetic baggage that you've been carrying throughout your life that is keeping you stuck. We deal with um, dating, right? Like how do you approach dating? How do you have these conversations? Like all the nuances of, you know, the different ways these things look and, and how to empower yourself within all of this. Um, I mean, we, we just, we deal with so much. It is a complete comprehensive program about inviting love into your life in a real, true, authentic way about creating true love in your life. And um, what we've done in, in the recent, uh, I'd say last few months, my team and I have been working, what we're doing is we're restructuring the program. So it's going from a 12-week format to a lifetime format. And um, what we're really doing is we're just improving so much in the program to create so much more value. And so uh, the, it's, I'll just, I'll leave it at that. You know, we've really we're really taking it up a notch in terms of the value that you're going to get from the program, uh, the amount of time that you're going to be able to work with me, um, the access to like the ability to ask your questions and get live coaching, um, the ability to do things like workshops and breath work and uh, just different healing practices. Like we're really just taking everything up a notch. There's going to be so much more available in the program than there ever has been before. So I'm just, so, so very excited to, um, to share this with everyone and to invite you into the new version of the program and to start working with you in this new container. And um, what I have available right now is I do have a, an early bird special. So for those of you who sign up before October 1st, which is coming soon in a few days now, um, but for those of you who sign up before October 1st, um, we have a really big special available for you, which is actually going to allow you to save about 50% on the tuition of the program. Um, so anyway, I, I just want to put that out there for those of you who might be interested. If you are interested, you can uh, send me a message on Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> Instagram. Just let me know you're interested and we'll send you the details. Um, if you are if you are not on Instagram, you can always email me at Shane and Fatima at thelivingrelationship.com. That's S-H-A-N-E-A-N-D-F-A-T-I-M-A at thelivingrelationship.com. And I'll be able to, uh, I'll be able to definitely uh, point you in the right direction and let you know how you can get on a call with our team to find out if this program is the right thing for you. Okay, so, so much love, everybody. Again, always a pleasure to be here. Um, I'm always just 
you know, so honored to be able to share and connect with everybody. Sending so much love to all of you. I'll be back here next Tuesday. And of course, make sure you check out the podcast on all major platforms. Um, sending so much love, many blessings. I'll see you back here next week. Take care, everybody. Bye. Thanks again for checking out the show. Please subscribe on whatever platform you listen to podcasts on the most. And I would love it so much if you leave a review and tell people what you think of us. Don't forget to follow us on Instagram at The Living Relationship to connect more closely. And I'm grateful to be supporting you on your journey to love.